Do you have a client-based business that needs streamlining? Acuity Scheduling, a Squarespace company, is a scheduling tool you never know you needed, but you always wanted. No more mixing up time zones for remote meetings, reduce your no-show appointments, and keep everything organized in one hub. We here at Popter Lounge are avid users of Acuity Scheduling and a proud affiliate. Sign up for Acuity Scheduling today. Visit the link in this episode's blog post to sign up for an account. Hey, I'm Connor Matthews, and you're about to listen to my interview on Pop Nerd Lounge. Hello, and welcome to Pop Nerd Lounge, the podcast for the creative soul. I'm your host, Steph Pham. We've got a bonus Music Monday episode coming your way. Today, I'm speaking with Connor Matthews. He's previously worked in publishing in the music industry before setting out on his journey as an artist. Now signed on to Warner Records, Connor recently released his latest EP, Heartbreak in the Hills which had about how he got his break, the EP, and how you don't need a fancy setup to record an amazing record. This is Connor Matthews. Welcome to Pop Neural Lounge. My guest today is Connor Matthews. Connor, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thank you so much for having me. You knew at 14 you wanted to pursue music and you wrote a song at 13. Did you know that you were going to go into songwriting? Uh, pretty much from the, from that song that I wrote at 13, uh, that's actually like the moment I decided that I wanted to be a a professional songwriter. So I kind of, I kind of always knew. And you were at Belmont University in Nashville while you were trying to move forward with your music career. What would you, what would you tell people who are kind of working at their pay the bills job before they actually get full time into a job that they're like super passionate about? Uh... What would I say to pay the bills jobs? I would say, um, I, I, I would say never, never like stop thinking about what you ultimately want to do. Um, because I feel like it's easy to get stuck and pay the bills type jobs, um, just for longer than you intended to, if you don't keep your goals at the front of your mind. Um, so, you know, even if the money's good or like you kind of like it, like never stop thinking about what it is you wanted to do when you set out to even start the pay your bills jobs because it's easy to it's easy to forget and then a lot of time passes right it's it's easiest for for us to creatives like one thing that we we crave and sadly not a lot of the creative industry can provide us is that security that stability and so that's kind of why we get stuck in those pay the bills jobs because we're like oh hey look benefits you know 401k yeah right right and so yeah it's that thing that we need to like push us to to pursue what we're really passionate about what we can want to contribute to the world exactly Exactly. yeah Yeah. never yeah oh just oh yeah i guess that's a good way of putting it always pursue your passions like on the side hustle you know and uh eventually when it pays off and you support yourself from them then you'll you'll know it's time to get rid of the the other job you know right and so uh before before you got into um to music writing full-time you worked retail at Nordstrom where you had a very lucky encounter for our listeners who might not know the story could you tell us about that yeah so I was working retail um at Nordstrom and um I had only been working there it must have been like two weeks and and I actually love Nordstrom I hated working there and not because it's Nordstrom I hate it because I hated retail it turns out I didn't know at the time um Anyway, I've only been there working there for like two weeks, and I just remember being like, God, please let something come of this because I hate this so much. I was like, 
working every day. So, you know, I hate like kind of being the smoogy salesperson. It's just not really me. So, you know, they always teach you to like walk up to random people and like not harass, but borderline harass them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, I hated it. So anyway, uh, one day this guy walks in and I don't think anything of it. I saw this random guy, uh, this polo, this Billy Reed polo. And uh, three days later, I was going to this writer's round to listen to some music and uh, I put on this sports coat. My friend's like, why are you putting on a sports coat? This is before I realized you don't wear sports coats in Nashville. So he said, why are you putting on a sports coat? And I literally was like, you never know who you're going to meet is literally what I said. And um, sure enough, I walk in, this guy that I sold a shirt to is wearing a shirt. He walks up to me. He's like, hey, man, you sold me a shirt. And I'm just like, cool, man. Like, looks good on you. And I, got, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. And uh, he just keeps talking to me for some reason because he's a super nice guy. And he's like, oh, what are you doing in town? I tell him I want to be a songwriter. And he's just like, oh, I work at Universal sometime. Give me a call. So I did. I played him some songs. Fast forward four months. And him and Keith Urban signed in my first publishing deal. Um, and, yeah, it was insane. It was just like... You know, right place at the right time kind of stuff and it was really wild but something did come of the Nordstrom job so that's you know what I mean prayers are answered right right and so you spoke about working in publishing and you did that for a while uh what was the the motivation for you to carve your own path as an independent artist um I think what it really came down to was it is funny because when I first decided, when I first moved to Nashville, I decided I wanted to be a songwriter, um, not because I didn't want to be an artist, but because I was overwhelmed with the amount of talent in town and like people's abilities, and I was just fresh on the scene. I wasn't like super great yet, um, so I decided, you know, if I could just be a songwriter, then like I'll be happy. So anyway, sure enough, I get my first professional gig as a songwriter, and I started writing with some of my idols and. Um, you know, just getting really cool opportunities. But I, I quickly realized, like, my true passion always was, like, having my own voice uh, in music. And not to say songwriters don't have their own voices. We definitely do. Um, it's just expressed differently. And, like, I really valued um, the ability to write my own stories into songs the way I want to say them and, and the way I want to portray them. So for me, you know, being an artist was the only way to do that. And... Um, I, I got tired of, you know, being someone else's voice. And so, uh, yeah, I made, I made the shift and uh, it's the best decision I ever made. So you kind of talked about uh, using your own voice. Was there ever a difficult moment for your, in your career that was extremely tough at the time, but now you consider a learning experience? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I had some, you know, being a young songwriter, when you're put into really cool positions is kind of like a double-edged sword because it's super amazing, um, you know, getting to meet people that you looked up to since you were a kid, but it's also super easy to be taken advantage of. And one of the biggest learning curves for me was, uh, you know, I, I wrote this song with uh, one of my idols and, yeah, I, I ended up... Uh, I don't know quite the right way to say it. Anyway, I wrote this song with somebody and then they took me off the song um, for no other reason other than they wanted less writers on it. And so uh, I had to like learn how to protect myself in those situations because but that was before I made like voicemails in the room, you know, 
before I learned how to like really protect myself from being taken advantage of, it was like kind of my first big opportunity. And uh, that was probably the biggest learning curve for me. You know, you learn people's true colors. You learn that you really have to look out for yourself uh, if you want to be protected. And um, yeah, you just kind of learn that, you know, no matter what your dream is, like it's, it's not all like sunflowers and roses all the time. Like you, you have to be smart. A hundred percent. I think that's a, a lesson that a lot of creatives go through. It's just learning who to trust and who to let in your inner circle. Cause that's definitely, especially with places like LA, New York, um, it's definitely easy to get caught up with the wrong personalities who will use you f for their advantage rather than like try to help you with your career. So that, yeah, I feel like a lot of creatives can definitely relate to that lesson. Mm-hmm. And speaking of L.A., uh, what inspired you to move there after living in Nashville for a bit? I guess it's, uh, you know, it was for me, it was opportunity based. Um, I love Nashville with all my heart and I have so many dear friends there and I still go back all the time. Um, but I felt like I, you know, I spent six years there. I knew a lot of people in Nashville. And when I started writing my own music, it wasn't country, it's pop R&B. So um, I was at the time only associated really with Nashville companies and, and there's not a whole, there's more than there ever has been, but there's not a whole lot of crossover between Nashville and LA still. So I couldn't make any of the connects without just doing it myself. So I needed to move here and just meet people uh, just for the sake of, you know, collaborating. Because in Nashville, there's only a handful of people that could do, um, you know, the pop R&B thing. And here it's like, that's, that's what the scene is. So I really did it just cause, you know, I wanted to make new friends, meet new collaborators, meet people that maybe we could like mutually benefit each other just in our career, stuff like that. Yeah. I guess you're going to have to go towards where opportunity is like where, yeah, like where the creative hub is. I, I talk about that a lot on my show is where, why a lot of people relocate to LA. And honestly it is because of opportunity. Like, uh, especially for, like someday I hope to land there. But like for me, like I would love to take my show to LA to like, you know, interact with you guys in person, that kind of type of thing. And so, yeah, you definitely have to go wherever, uh, creativity sparks. Essentially. Yeah. Isn't it? And it's not to say, you know, you can't do it without going there. It's just like, it's, there's something special about meeting other people that are on the same journey. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think you, you guys just vibe and there's like this, thing about being in the same space with people who share your same passion and your same energy for sure. Yeah. So, uh, I love that you wanted to bring a different perspective to breakups to your, uh, to your EP that you just released. What gave you that idea to have that theme throughout the EP? Uh, I actually had that idea. Well, it's funny because the EP started as a record and it was, um, it had both perspectives on it. It had like, you know, the fun sided part of it. And then it also had the sad kind of emotional part of it all in one record. And then I decided, you know, as summer was approaching, I was like, I don't know, like I should break these two things up and do like a, like a, uh, just like a theme for each one. Because what, what, what inspired me to do that is, is I was equally having the time of my life as I was hurting and, um, I felt like people rarely portray the breakup as as uh, as a new beginning anymore. You know, I feel like back in the two thousands, like songs were always coming out that were like 
breakup party songs. And I feel like that's an important part of it and of emotions is feeling like free. Um, and, you know, going out with your friends again, doing things that you wouldn't have done in a very long time, you know? And for me, it was important to portray that in a, in a record again, because I feel like it's something that everyone can benefit from, whether you're going through a breakup or not. It's just, you know, a really, uh, a really new and exciting part of life to, to be out there. Yeah, because you don't get that many perspectives with it when when it comes to like talking about like the hard parts of relationships, right? We always get, yeah, we always get like the sad kind of like the like the pain and the ache, but you don't yeah, really like raw emotion, yeah, right, which yeah. is dope. But I feel like today more than ever that there's like an abundance of that type of music. You know, there's right. an abundance of like sad pop music, and not to say that it's not incredible. I love it, and I love most of it. But like for me personally, especially if I was gonna drop something in the summer, like I want to make people sad in the summer. I want to make people crack open a beer and have a drink. You know. Yeah, and I think you, I think you achieved that. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite tracks on the EP is "Hit Me Back," and you performed that with the Social House. So, what made them the right collab for that specific track? Well, when I, you know, when I wrote the song, um, I actually didn't have any any feature in mind at all. I just this was even before you know my partnership with Warner Records, and I was just independently doing stuff, and then. Whereas the song like kind of aged, um, I just remember thinking how cool it would be to have the right feature. And then I immediately thought of Magic in the Hamptons, which is Social House's breakout single. Um, and I thought that the, t the the way they performed that and the tone and like the emotional tone of, of that would be the perfect uh, backing, backing part to hit me back. So I, I, I just, you know, I just kind of thought of both songs and how they'd fit together. And then I called them and we showed them the song, they loved it. I was like, just do something like Magic in the Hamptons. And then that's, uh, they did, they crushed it. Took it to the next level. So I can hear different influences in the EP. Like there are different storytelling elements from like country and, and then like you can hear R&B and hip hop beats and pop production. Do you not, do you see yourself not being confined by one genre? Yeah, I always, that's a great question. Cause people always ask me, you know, why do you, you know, why do you sound, sound like, why do you sound so different from project to project? Or like, you know, why your song, you're, you always surprise me with what it sounds like. Like, I like, you know, some people be like, I love this new stuff way better. Some people be like, I miss the old blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, for me, it's not about like genre or, you know, like I, I am the genre, you know, it's like, I am the music. Like the music is an outpouring of my emotions. And like, if my emotions don't fit with what you want me to sound like in a particular season of life, too bad. You know, it's just like, I create art and how I see it. And like, for me, it's not about, does it fit on this platform or this platform? It's just like, how did I feel when I was making the music? Like, and how do I like personify that into the record? So it, it really is like, I, I really don't try to do it on purpose, which is, I feel like people's biggest misconception of when I'm like releasing stuff. It's not like I'm like finding a new sound. It's just like an expansion of a sound that already existed. And a develop, like as I develop as a human, my, mu my music's gonna develop too. So that's kind of how I look at it. I think that's great. Cause the way that I view um, albums that I said this before, but the way that I view albums is kind of like, or music in general, like I view them as like little chapters in the artist's career. And so like, they're kind of like snapshots and you're not going to see the same photo like twice. You know what I mean? Like everybody's like evolving and, and you want to hear that versus like hearing the same 
thing over and over and over again. Well, you can tell when an artist is trying to replicate what they already did. You know, right. they're like, this right. worked a little. Maybe I should just try to do the same thing, but different. And I just, <laughs> every time that happens, I'm just kind of like, I don't like yeah. that. Yeah. No, no, it I makes totally me feel get weird, you know? <laughs> I totally get that. <laughs> Obviously, the world is going through a really tough time right now. And I know that artists and creatives are struggling. If you had a little disaster kit to put together for creatives in times like this, what would you pack in it? I would pack a microphone. Uh, well, depending on what kind of creative they were, <laughs> but if they were in music, I'd give them a microphone and uh, maybe a guitar and uh, probably some uh, some gummy lifesavers. Those always help me out when I'm feeling sad. Those are the best. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, depending on how old they were, if they were over 21, I'd probably uh, give them a bottle of chartreuse and say good luck. <laughs> I think, like, I think I was watching one of your TikToks and you were explaining how, like, um, even, like, even a simple, like, bedroom setup, you can create, like, a whole project. Like, yeah. And I thought that was so, like, enlightening because, like, I know that uh, Phineas and Billie Eilish, I always reference them, but they created her album, like, from their bedroom. And I think, yeah, I think it's, like, possible that, like, creatives you know don't have to use the excuse that oh i'm not in a fancy studio i'm not in a, a like a really high-tech setup like you can create projects right where you are oh yeah heavy back i made uh a couple years ago on like a 300 dollars microphone and uh and a falling apart macbook air and that's all i had <laughs> in a bedroom <laughs> i love that i love that because that's like how we all start. I feel like that's how we all start. Like, we're not all like gifted the industry. I think we have to like make our own way and then we'll get all like the the luxuries that come with it later on. But yeah, like, yeah, it's like, so I, cool. I mean, I always encourage people just starting now. It's like, you know, find people who like what you do and then you like what they do because you don't need to rent, like, I, you don't need to rent out studios anymore. Like, Honestly, as when when you're independent, you don't even need to pay for songs. Like you just you split master with people that you admire and you put the songs out. And that's it, you know? It's like it's super low. As long as you have a microphone and a computer, like it's super super low cost like and and high reward because it's fun as hell. So just, you know, get out there and do it. You know, don't feel like you need the most expensive stuff in the world to start. Yeah. I think that could nicely segue into my next question. And my next question is, we live in a society where people expect to achieve success at a faster rate. As someone who's put in the work for several years, what would you tell creatives who are eager to catch their break? Yeah, I would say don't rush it. I would say, you know, I I have kind of an old school mentality in a sense for like, I feel like a time, energy, effort, and like you sh should be poured in to make something very special if you're in the creative field. You know, it's not like it's not about like winning the lottery or or you know having your five seconds of fame. It can be, it shouldn't be if you want a lasting career or if you want to leave a mark on anyone at all. Um, but I would say take it slow. Like try and impress yourself. I feel like now more than ever we live in a viral culture where we're like. I I could, things happen and nobody knows why and you're like well I don't know this could work maybe might as well drop it and to them I would say if you feel like that about your own song probably probably make something that you're proud of instead you know like focus on making art don't focus on being a viral moment because I mean, if you want to be a viral moment nine times out of ten that's all you're going to be is a viral moment so make sure you really focus in on what you love to do 
not what everyone else thinks you should be doing so that you can make a quick quick million right exactly like viral moments pass and like you know yeah like you, i think it's about what you said it's about longevity it's about knowing what you can create that will be timeless and that'll like stand the test of time and if you're doing that and if you really care about your art on the on the front end if you if you have a viral moment you're going to have the art to back it up and you're not going to be a blip on the radar your viral moment will actually just be a breakthrough single it won't be a viral single it'll be breakthrough I like that. I like that. Looking at it as a breakthrough. I like that. <laughs> so my final question to you would be, what advice would you give to fellow creatives out there if you had your own masterclass series? Oh, I don't know if I'm qualified for that. But if I, uh, <laughs> if I, if I had a series and I was you know, mentoring people, what advice would I give? I would say... Uh, jeez. I would say they're pretty, it's pretty simple advice. It's just kind of what I've lived by my whole journey. I would say work it literally as hard as you can. Don't be afraid to miss out on like, you know, social opportunities if you're young to, to stay home and do what you love. Um, and then I would say, don't be afraid of the word. No, like you're going to hear it 99% of your career. So just get used to it. Don't let it get you down. You just got to really learn. It took me years to learn, but you just literally have to learn to roll with the punches and also realize, you know, when you get to a certain level, it's not about if you're, if, if what you're doing is good or not. It's about if, if it matches up with someone else's taste and upbringing, you know? So if you hear no and you know your shit's dope, like, don't worry about it. Someone else is going to think it's tight. So just, just relax. I think that's great advice because, yeah, like... I think we have to come in with the creative industry with the idea that rejection is built in. Like we are going to get rejected at one point or another or many times. Yeah. Oh <laughs> my God. And, yeah, and yeah. people are going to have different opinions about what you do. Like I've had yeah. two different top, you know, executives, one tell me a song's a hit and one tell me a song's garbage, the same song. And I'm like, you know what? If that ain't how life works, I don't know what is. That's literally how the, if your song is put on the radio, you're going to have some people be like, this is my new favorite song. And some people be like, can you turn it? I hate this song. Like, that's just how, cre that's how creativity works. So you just got to learn to just relax, you know, get your identity from something other than yeses and noes. I think that needs to be on a t-shirt right there. <laughs> Well, this has been an absolutely wonderful chat. I've learned so much about you and your journey in the music industry. Um, I'm going to turn the floor over to you, and you can plug your EP. Shout out, it's dope, by the way. Go stream. <laughs> um, yeah, you can plug your EP where people can find you on social media. I'm going to turn the floor over to you, and you can plug away. Great. Yeah, follow me on uh, Instagram, Spotify. It's just at Connor Matthews. Um, you can find all my music on everything. Just to, you can Google my name if you want, but on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, YouTube, whatever. Uh, Heartbreak in the Hills is the latest EP. Go check out the single, Hit Me Back, or any of them. They're all fire. And, uh, yeah, I release music all the time, so make sure you go follow all those things to keep up to date. Awesome. Well, Connor, thank you so much for speaking with me. Thank you for having me. I had a blast. Thank you to Connor for being a guest. Something that I learned from his story is being prepared when opportunity presents itself because he was just working in a retail job and all of a sudden he met somebody that changed the course of his career. We gotta work on constantly being ready for opportunity to present stuff. We can't wait for opportunity to knock on our door. 
To learn more about Connor, visit the links in the show notes. Popner Lounge is a two-man operation, rather I should say two-women operation. It is executive produced by Steph Pham and V. Co. V. Co. serves as the show's creative director, and Steph Pham is the show's host and editor. You can find us on social media at Popner Lounge. For an easy, convenient hub of everything Popner Lounge, visit our website, popnerlounge.com. That's it for this week. Tune in next time for another conversation with a fellow creative. I'm Steph Pham.